Thank you very much. And man, that was amazing music. I can't believe you get to hear that every Sunday. That was, uh, yeah, yeah, that's right. That was amazing. Good, good stuff. I mean, you hear, you hear a choir like that and you're going, man, that was excellent. And then I walk out and you're thinking, this better be good. <laughs> that's why I want us to talk this morning about dealing with disappointment. Uh, no, that's not true. I actually, uh, I, I, had a, I had a kind of chance not too long ago. It was kind of a funny scene. I was walking to the, uh, the grocery store near our house. I live in the North Hills of Pittsburgh. I teach uh, ministry, youth ministry at Grove City College. And, uh, and, and so I was walking in uh, to a uh, grocery store there, Cranberry Township. And as I walked in, I noticed this guy walking in ahead of me, pushing the grocery cart. And, and he had a little boy sitting in the, that little front compartment. And... Uh, the little boy was kind of whining a little bit, not nothing loud, just kind of a sort of a low grade, uh, put your teeth on edge whine. And, uh, and, uh, and the dad was very cool. Uh, you could tell he'd been reading all the right, uh, you know, books and stuff, but he was just kind of pushing the car. He's kind of, come on, Albert, we'll be out in a minute, Albert. Just don't blow your cool, Albert. Keep it in, Albert. And, and, uh, and, and so anyway, I thought, okay, that's, that's awesome. And then I see this uh, lady who was standing there uh, next to an ATM just as we got inside and she sees uh, the entourage enter the store and thought to herself, I guess, uh, you know, a little bit nosy, hey, here's free entertainment while I shop. And so she decides to follow them through the store. And we happen to be going the same way. And so uh, anyway, we started kind of uh, making our way through the store led by this guy pushing the cart and a little kid who uh, is just, and now he's kind of, it's kind of gotten a little bit louder, uh, actually, uh, as, as we're moving into produce. Uh, and the dad is kind of, come on, Albert, be out in a minute, Albert. Don't, don't blow your cool, Albert. <laughs> come on, Albert. And, and, uh, and uh, it, it, it seemed like every new aisle, the kid would get just a little bit louder. Uh, by the time I got over to canned goods, uh, it was now uh, crying. Uh, the, the dad's picked up his pace a little bit, now a little bit more hurry, a little bit more urgency. Come on, Albert, we'll be out in a minute, Albert. Keep it in, Albert. Hold on, Albert. And uh, by the time uh, we got over to the chips, uh, uh, this guy was just like, I mean, the kid was screaming. I mean, it was loud. And, uh, and, 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 and the dad was just kind of careening off the, uh, you know, aisles, just trying to get through. In fact, the lady could hardly keep up. Uh, you know, we had to pass her twice. But, but uh, anyway, uh, it, it, it got the point where uh, by the time we finally got over to the drugstore side of the thing, I mean, this kid is just screaming bloody murder. I thought his, like his leg was caught in that, little, in that little basket thing or something. I don't know what. Uh, but but uh, his face is red, and the dad is now just like, come on, Albert. We'll be out in a minute, Albert. Don't blow your cool, Albert. Keep it in, Albert. And finally, we get, finally, we get to the cash register, and, uh, and, and now everybody in the store is looking and craning their necks, and, uh, you know, the dad is just like, oh, my gosh, and the kid's just screaming. And, uh, and the, the, the lady at the cash register was awesome. Uh, you know, she, she just looked uh, at this little boy and, and as they were going through the line there, and she said, I, I am so sorry that little Albert is feeling so poorly today. Uh, but, but you, sir, you have remarkable patience. Like, I don't, know, I don't know how you do it. And the guy just looked at her and said, lady, you don't understand. I'm Albert. <laughs> it, 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 it reminded me that... Uh, 
all of us kind of have those people in our lives. When we are around them, uh, we're kind of going, don't blow your cool, uh, keep it in, don't lose your temper, just be controlled. And quite often those people in our lives live in our homes. These are the people in our families. You know, the last uh, three weeks we've been talking here at uh, Moberly about connecting, connecting with God. That, that's first and foremost, connecting with those people who don't know God, who don't know Jesus. That's really important. Connecting with the church family, connecting with the community, the people of God, that's critical. But to really round out, to really full this picture of connection, we have to talk about what it means to connect in the family. How do we move through the aisles of life and do this in a way that actually helps us to connect in love and grace with the people in our families? And so this morning, I'm going to invite you to look with me at a passage of Scripture in the New Testament, Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. Those of you who are joining us online, great to have you here. If, if, uh, if you're kind of new to this, uh, just uh, Colossians is on the back of the Bible. It's a little tiny letter that Paul wrote to a community of believers uh, at a town called Colossae. And, uh, and, and a region there, you can, um, you can look this up in the very back, Colossians chapter 3. And we're going to start reading in verse 12. Colossians chapter 3, verse 12. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. I learned a long time ago as a youth pastor that whenever you talk about families, especially if you're talking to teenagers or you're talking to parents of teenagers or people who think their child will soon become teenagers if they live long enough, that, that there's always kind of a vibe in the room. Like, like if the, the, for most adults, anytime you mention teenagers, how many of you in the room are teenagers? Let me see a show of hands. Yeah, okay. How many of you are teenagers? Yeah, okay. I saw some people who I... Don't think are teenagers or, or, or they were lying. Uh, but yeah, so, so how many are teenagers? Let me see that again if you're in the room. Yeah, okay. Yeah, put your hand up there. That's right, longhorn person. Uh, okay. Well, anyway, uh, you know, you kind of get this vibe. Like most people, when you talk about teenagers, it's like immediately there's this furrowed brow. There's this look of concern. Uh, oh, my gosh. Uh, you know, they're barbarians. And and uh, I mean, they make like they make Vikings look nice, and and uh, you know, and, and 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 it's like Mark Twain said, you know, when you when you really when your child turns thirteen, he says, what you ought to do is put them in a barrel, and just feed them through a tube, <laughs> like for the next five or six years till they get to maybe you know eighteen, nineteen, and then just plug up the tube. And and uh, and and I don't know if that's kind of how you see it. It's funny because when I talk to teenagers. Uh, their perspective is slightly different, as you might imagine. Sometimes when you talk to teenagers about parents or about adults, um, it's kind of like, like if you heard the story about the two little kids who are walking out of, out of Sunday school one day. And I guess they've been talking in Sunday school about demons and about Satan and stuff. And this little guy said, do you believe all that stuff they said in there about Satan? And his little friend said, no, no, no. It's like Santa Claus. It's our dad's. Now, I don't know, uh, you know, what you think of when you think of families, but I do know this, that if we're going to connect 
And we really are going to talk about authentic connection. It's, it, it's not enough just to talk about connecting with God, talking about connecting with people who, who don't know Jesus, talking about the faith family that we live in this church. It's important to talk about that family that lives in our home. And, and so what I'd like to do this morning is think with you for a few minutes about how do we live out the kind of compassionate love that Paul is writing about in Colossians chapter 3, humility, kindness, patience, and grace. How do we live that kind of connection out in our families? And I'm going to try to, um, I'm going to, try to put it in terms of three big ideas that, that Paul sort of uh, points us to in this passage in Colossians 3. The first one is this, that, that if you and I are really going to connect in the way that God invites us to connect in this passage in Colossians 3, first of all, we need to see each other as real people. We need to see each other as, as real people. Then that might sound like an easy idea, but I think most of us, if we're honest, would have to admit that quite often uh, we tend to see members of our family in terms of stereotypes. You know, that, that's her job, that's his job, that's them, that's him, that's her, that's those guys. And, 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 and we tend to see each, like, I, I don't know how many times I've talked to a teenager, for example, and, and they will describe their dad, you know, as a stereotype. Like, my dad, uh, my, my dad is like a drill sergeant. Oh, my gosh. Uh, like he basically sits in his chair and yells out orders to, uh, you know, he's just like, mow the lawn and cut the grass, <laughs> wash the car and do it fast. And, and, and that's kind of his, uh, that's kind of his deal. And my mom, my mom is, is like, uh, she seems to kind of, her, her deal is to kind of worry about stuff. And, and uh, like her, her big thing is that I don't leave the house on a school day without a jacket. If I'm going on a trip, that I change my underwear. And, and, uh, and it's like, that, that's kind of her deal. And my little brother uh, is, is basically demon possessed. And, and so you, you tend to think in terms of, of stereotypes. Uh, it, it's, it's easy to fall into this trap to sort of uh, recognize that, uh, that, you know, all of us, all of us in our families are, are distinct. In fact, if you look at the text that we read this morning, in Colossians chapter 3, one of the first uh, assertions, one of the first statements that Paul makes about us, all of us, is that we are holy and dearly beloved. That we are holy and dearly beloved. That we are created in the image of God. In other words, the, the Christian life, he's saying, look, I'm, I'm not going to sort of leave this in some kind of vague, uh, airbrushed, posed, hallmark uh, family photo. We're going to get into the nitty gritty of this thing. But let's start off by understanding that these relationships that we live out, these relationships marked by meekness and humility and patience and forgiveness and forbearance and kindness and peace, they are lived out among real people created in the image of God. And we can't fall into the trap of kind of seeing members of our family as props on the stage on which I live my life. You know, they're kind of the pieces of the furniture around which I move and live and have my being. They're, they're real people. Um, I, I, uh, Sometimes when I'm talking to a teenager, because that's kind of my main area of ministry so as a youth pastor, when I talk to a teenager, they go, my mom and dad don't understand me. And they're like, what's that about? And, and, and I go, well, uh, let me ask you a question. Do you understand them? Like, do you, do you think you understand what it's like to be them? Uh, it, for example, um, you know, like one guy said to me, he said, my dad is like so, oh my gosh, he's like so uptight about money. 
Oh my gosh. I mean, like he's constantly worried about money. Like he is, he is like, he goes around our house just constantly turning off stuff. He is like the electricity sheriff. Uh, you know, fortunately, nobody is on a heart lung machine back there. Uh, I mean, uh, you know, who left that thing running all night? And, uh, and, and it's just like, it's just he totally, and I said, well, do you, you know, do you, have you ever thought about how much money it takes to raise a family? I mean, the, the, the latest data for 2018 per child to raise them to the age of 17, $233,610. And then they go to college, and, and, you know, and, and it's like, it's a lot of money. Now, I know if you're sitting here and you are, uh, you know, thinking about your mom or your dad and you're thinking about yourself, you go, yeah, but you don't know me. I am totally worth it. Uh, frankly, they're overpaying for my sister, but, but, but I, I get that. But the fact of the matter, it is stressful, right? It, it, it is stressful. Or how about this? Uh, a girl told me the other day, she said, my mom and I were on Instagram. She was, she was looking at my Instagram and she saw a picture of me and she started crying. She started crying. And, and, she, and I said, well, yeah, I, I guess that would be a little uh, frightening. But, but have you ever thought about the fact that when your mom sees you, she actually looks into your face and she sees her face. Like she remembers when she used to look like you, right? And, and that was about 20 minutes ago. I mean, it didn't seem that long ago. She used to look like you and now... She looks in the mirror and, and what used to be this kind of cute dimple is kind of a bullseye. And, and uh, like when she puts in the workout DVD, the screen just says, be realistic. Uh, you know, there, there, there's just a sense where, where you know, it, 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 you, we are real people. We look at this stuff. We think we live this stuff. And, and so part of living out amazing grace in our families Part of showing compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience is trying to feel along with other members of the family. That's literally what the word compassion means. It comes from two words, meaning feel along with. Feel along with. So, so we begin to see each other as, as real people. Now, the hardest part of that, frankly, is not seeing our family members as beloved of God. I can sort of handle that. I can sort of handle the fact that I'm living with people who are, uh, you know, uh, the, the beloved of God and they're creating the image of God. That's fine. My problem is living with people who are sinners. There are sinners in uh, my family. Uh, and this causes some, some problems for those of us who are sinless. Uh, you know, because, because sinners, uh, they get in moods. Uh, sinners don't want to do their share of, 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 the, of the housework. Sinners are the ones who think God appointed them to be keepers of the remote. Uh, sinners are the ones who leave dishes in the sink. Uh, sinners are the ones who forget to pick up. Sinners are the ones who forget to put the seat down. And, uh, and, 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 and Paul is reminding us here, hey, every member of your family is beloved by God, but every member of your family is a sinner. And that's why he says it's really important to notice this. Look at verse 13. Look at the text. That critical phrase at the end of this verse 13 says, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. That's why he, that's why he makes this statement. He understands that extending grace to members of my family to help me connect with them will mean that I must see them as saints and sinners together. I need to see them as real people. But once we kind of begin to think about connecting and we look at this passage of scripture, it's not enough to just say, we need to see our family members as real people. We also need to kind of secondly take initiative. 
We need to take initiative. Now, um, I want to actually do an experiment this morning. And uh, this is going to be a little bit unusual, but I need some help to do this. And I'd like to have this gentleman down here in the black. Would you come up here, please? He come up. And then uh, Texas Longhorn Girl, uh, why don't you come up here too? And, uh, and I need one other, and I'm trying to look around the room here. Is that a hand raised? I've never seen that before. Okay. Yeah, come on up here. Come on up here. All right. This is fantastic. How you doing? Thanks so much. Appreciate your being here. Tell me your name. Mikey. Mikey? Mikey. Okay, Mikey. Mikey. Duffy. Pleasure to meet you. Hi there. Hi. I'm Alyssa. <laughs> Alyssa. This is like so embarrassing. Uh, okay. And, and your name? And your name? Peyton Nichols. What is it? Peyton Nichols. Frank? Peyton okay. Nichols. Okay. All right. Cool. So this is what I want to do. Uh, I'm going to ask you to step around over here. Okay. And, and let's do this. Would you come over this way a little bit, Alyssa? In fact, why don't you both come, all of you come over this way a little bit? Because I don't want you to fall off the stage over there. Okay. Uh, and, and you're laughing, but uh, I'm still dealing with some of the legal issues from last week. But uh, anyway, uh, so here's what we're going to do. Uh, this, what I've discovered what I've discovered is that sometimes when you're doing a sermon like this, uh, about this point in the sermon, people get a little bit drowsy. Like I noticed uh, you were dozing off a little bit, uh, Mikey. And, and uh, yeah, no, I get it. I get it. It was a little slow. Uh, and, and, um, and, and so uh, let's just pray for this brother right now. No, so, okay. So anyway, uh, so, so what I'm going to do is we're going to actually do something that's a little bit uh, kind of out of the ordinary. We're going to have a tug of war. Okay, and here's how we're going to do it. We're going to actually have a tug of war over Alyssa. Okay, and, and, and so the way this works is I would like you each to grab one of Alyssa's arms. Okay, yeah, just grab her arm. Oh, my gosh, girls, like, you know what? After the service, you can get the cooties removed. So anyway, uh, so, so, okay, uh, so here's what's going to happen. Let's have, let's have everybody over here from here over you will all cheer for this gentleman right here. Let's hear a round of applause for this guy. Okay. And let's have everybody from here over to the middle. You guys will all cheer for Mikey, okay? Let's hear from Mikey. Okay. And, and, and then let's have nobody cheer for Alyssa. Okay. Now, uh, Alyssa, that's because uh, when I ask, are there any teenagers in the room? Your dad had to raise your hand for you. Okay. So you're being punished. Okay. So here's what's going to happen. When I say go... I want you guys to pull in opposite directions as hard as you can, okay? Sometimes I've just discovered it really makes a sermon come alive if someone is dismembered. So, so, so uh, let, let's, let's do that and pull it out. Now, be careful. Don't, don't fall off the stage, okay? Like sometimes you just take an arm with you and you're out of the room. So, so okay, are you ready for this? Let, let's, let's, let's encourage them a little bit. On your mark, get set, go. Okay. Okay, let's stop right there. <laughs> Thank you. Wow, okay. Now, you know what? I appreciate your enthusiasm. <laughs> let's give them all a round of applause. Thanks, guys. You can have a seat. Thanks, Alyssa. Thank you. You can have a seat. That was amazing. Uh, and, and, uh, and no doubt, Alyssa, just another day, uh, men fighting over you. Uh, and, uh, you. You guys are going to look back at this day and you're going to go, you know what? That's the day I stopped coming to church. But, uh, but, uh, but, you know, seriously, I don't know if you noticed this or not. This is kind of interesting. Now, Alyssa, we have never met before. Is this correct? Right? I mean, you were a bridesmaid in our wedding. Not such a, but uh, we have never met before. 
But here's what's intriguing. Now, I didn't give Alyssa any instructions whatsoever, but she actually must have thought to herself, wait a minute, wait a minute. That dude just told these two guys to pull my arms in opposite direction. Uh, that could hurt. Uh, and, 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 and what would happen if I lose an arm? My, uh, I hope it's not my ring uh, finger. And, uh, and what would happen with my piano? And, and so you did something that I did not tell you to do. You actually, and maybe you saw this, maybe you didn't. You could see it up here. What she did was she said, okay, they're going to pull me in opposite direction. I am going to pull them towards me. In other words, Alyssa took initiative. She took initiative. You see, men, when we live in a culture, don't we, where our families are being ripped apart. By, by busyness, by distractions, by financial pressures, by all kinds of stuff, by our other relationships outside the home. And then they're not all bad stuff. Some of it's good stuff. But let's be honest. What happens is our families get pulled in so many different directions. It's very, very easy to just get pulled apart. We have a choice to make. What Paul is telling us here is we have a decision to make. We can whine about it. We can complain about it. We can lament it. Or we can take initiative and say this. Look, I, I, I can't impact their behavior and I can't impact his behavior, but I can impact my behavior. And by the power of Christ in me, I'm going to take initiative. I'm going to do what I can to pull our family closer to connect our family. You see, if you look at this passage of scripture, verses 13 to 15, go back to the text. You will notice that Paul uses three phrases. All of them require initiative on our behalf. Three phrases, bear with one another, forgive one another, clothe yourselves with love. A, a, a good real life translation, if you were to sort of chuck it down, would be simply this, grip and pull. Grip and pull. To have families that connect will require us to take initiative to grip and pull. Now, you might be saying, well, Duffy, that's nice. That's really nice. But you don't know the situation in my, in my family. You don't, you don't know the pain I've had to grow up with. You don't know the hurt uh, he's caused us. You don't know the betrayal uh, we, we've experienced. And, and, and you're absolutely right about all of that. Here's what I do know. This is a forgiveness that is not based on anyone else's behavior, and it's not based on any kind of just rationale. It is based on the grace and the mercy of God. It is the grace that is modeled in Christ. In fact, look what the scripture says there. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Not, not forgive if they forgive you. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. You see, in our kind of way of thinking, most of us, we go, well, you know what? You're right. I'm going to go halfway with them. I'll, go, I'll meet them halfway. There's nothing in the scripture about meeting us halfway. The wonder of God's grace, the wonder of his compassion, what allows us to connect with God is that God went the whole way. And Paul puts it this way in Romans chapter 5, verse 8. While we were still sinners... Before we'd ever made our first move, God showed his love for us by sending his son Jesus to die on our behalf. That, that's what grace looks like. That's what initiative looks like. It is making that first step, not waiting for the other to respond. You go, okay, okay, but, but put that in practical terms. Let's put that in practical terms. Here's what it looks like in, in, in just 
everyday life. I'll just give you, I'll just give you a couple of examples. Um, let's take, let's take, uh, let's say it's Friday night, Friday night. And you know, you're 17 years old and you're get home uh, on Friday night and you're a little bit late and sure enough you walk in and your mom and your dad are sitting there looking sullen and, and angry, uh, perhaps uh, homicidal. And, uh, and, 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 and they ask the standard interrogation, where have you been? You say nowhere, well, what have you been doing? Nothing, who are you with? Nobody. And uh, you just kind of get the data on the, on the table and, 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 and then it's just like, well, how come you always come on? How come you always spy on me? Always on? You know, just, just chaos, right? Initiative would look like this. This is what initiative looks like. You come home, 17 years old, you're a little bit late. Mom and dad are sitting there. Where have you been? Nowhere. What were you doing? Nothing. Who were you with? Nobody. Well, how can we always know this coming to the light? How can we respond to me? Dad, what? Uh, first of all, I, um, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, um, I know the reason you kind of make a big deal about me coming home on time is because you and mom love me and I'm sorry. Um, I caused you guys to worry and I just want you to know I love you too. Now, now that's what initiative looks like. Initiative is saying I'm going to make the first step. I'm going to make the first move. I am not going to wait for someone else to respond. That's an, here's, here's another example of initiative. Initiative is, is exercised when we serve someone without you know, without payment. In other words, we take the first move of service. Now, I must be honest with you. When I was in high school, I'm just going to shoot straight. I was an expert at avoiding labor uh, around the house. I mean, I did. I, if I, for example, I had a policy uh, during our mealtime. Mikey, this, this sounds like something you would do. Uh, I, I basically had a policy at dinner time. I never got up from the table because in my house, if you got up from the table, somebody would say, hey, while you're up, would you bring back the butter and the iced tea and wash the car? I mean, you didn't get up during the meal. Just didn't. So, so, so initiative, it doesn't have to be anything huge. It might be something as simple as getting up at dinner some night, looking around the table and saying, you know what? I'm going to go to the kitchen. May I get anyone anything? <laughs> your dad says, yeah, you get your mother some smelling salts. Uh, she just... She just passed out. She's drowning in the gravy. But that, that's what initiative is. Initiative is taking the first. It, it's not saying I will if she will. I, I will if they will. No, it's I will because Christ did. It's initiative. It's initiative. Families that live out the amazing grace of Christ are families of people who love first because he loved us. We see each other as real people. We take initiative. And let me mention a third idea right at the core of this passage, and that's communicate. Communicate. Uh, it was the great philosopher and theologian, Irma Bombeck, who uh, tells a story about this uh, teenage girl who yelled out one morning, has anybody seen my sweater? And the grandmother says, oh, you mean the one with the low neckline? And the little sister means the one you never let me borrow? And the mom says, you mean the one I have to hand wash in cold water? The dad says, you mean the one that costs 90 bucks? The little brother goes, oh, you mean the one that makes you look fat? All these people are talking, but nobody's listening. Nobody's actually communicating. 
grace has to involve. It has to involve communication. Grace that isn't communicated is cheap grace, is cheap grace. Living out kindness, forgiveness, the, the kind of grace that Paul is talking about in Colossians chapter 3, it requires, it requires communication. Now, let me say something for just a minute to those of you who are adults in the room. Whether, whether you are uh, currently the parent of a child or a teenager, you're an adult, maybe you're single, maybe you're a, a grandparent, or maybe you're just an adult in this congregation, let me say something to you about communication with young people. One of the first lessons that you learn early on as a kid is that if an adult wants to talk with you, that's usually a bad sign. Because most of the time when adults talk to children or to someone younger, it's because they need to be corrected. We've got to correct them. This is just the way you learn this as a little kid. If an adult wants to talk to you, that's... Remember, remember this when you were in high school, you're sitting in homeroom, and someone comes on the loudspeaker and says, please send Duffy Robbins to the office. What did everybody in homeroom do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they know you're not being invited up there because the principal's lonely. You know, uh, you know, he just wants to, he just wants to kind of chat with you, you know, shoot the bull. You have violated some sanction or something. And, and, and kids learn early on, even my own daughters, even my own daughter, my own girl. I go, Hey, Aaron and Katie come downstairs. You know what they say? Yeah. Are we in trouble? Like, like, like we don't allow them on the ground floor except for torture. You know, come on down. Your mom's got the machete. Be brave. I mean, there's just, there's just this vibe that we as adults communicate consistently that we will talk to you when you need to be rebuked. Look forward to it. And, and we wonder why it is that, that sometimes we have a hard time uh, communicating with, with teenagers Be, because, frankly, they have learned that anything they say can and will be used against you. I don't know what it is about those of us who are adults, but, but there's something about being around children and teenagers that makes us turn every conversation into a teachable moment. You know, I mean, honestly, my, this, this guy, my buddy, he's, a, he's, got, he's a, got two teenage sons. He said, we were in the car the other day. One of my boys asked me, he said, I don't know what happened. We used to be able to talk about anything. He said, my boy asked me, he said, uh, he said Dad, when did they first start paving the highway? He said, it was all I could do not to say, you know, son, the road to hell is paved with good intention. I, I mean, <laughs> communication. Sometimes we do our best communication as adults by simply saying nothing and listening. Listen, listen. Now, let me say something to those of you who are younger, those who are teenagers, those who are children. Um, it doesn't do any good for someone to be willing to listen if you are unwilling to talk. And, and one of the traits that I've discovered, and I get it, it's a defense mechanism. If you don't want to get hit, you make yourself a small target. But, but quite often, uh, when teenagers uh, are, are talking to adults, they say everything in terms of little monosyllabic uh, grunts. Uh, it, it's like, and how was school today? Uh, you know, and, 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 and uh, I mean, I, I don't know how many times as a youth pastor, we'd have these great, like, awesome last night of the camp. We're all around the fire. It's fantastic. And this big burly dude comes up and he gives a testimony about God's work. Like, oh, the guy's like, God, ah, he's like, so awesome. And like, he loved me. And like, my mom and dad are great. And I never tell them, but they're amazing. And then I get home. 
We all get back home the next day and the parents that he was talking about, we actually see them in the church parking lot as he gets off the bus and the mom will look at him wistfully bright eyes and say, honey, how was the retreat? And he's like, uh, well, I mean, was it fun? Uh, well, I, I mean, how was the food? Oh, any cute girls? Ah, I mean, I mean, basically it's just a series of monosyllabic responses. And then that gal come to me and say, my parents don't understand me. I go, I know they're not pigs. Uh, you know, if you actually want to communicate, if you actually want to be understood, we have to venture into the realm of actual oral speech, <laughs> actually verbalized terms, communication. You say, okay, but give me, give me, what does that mean in, in practical terms? What, what can we do? Well, let's just take a couple of practical ideas. One of the ways that we communicate is we communicate affirmation, gratitude. In families, we tend to take each other for granted. And this is so important. <laughs> excuse me, that we communicate gratitude and, and affirmation. Um, I, I did a, a thing with my um, youth group a while back. We called it Operation Underwear. And, and the deal was, uh, we did this. We, you know how when you, when you take off dirty clothes, uh, you put them in a basket or a hamper or something, and, 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 and then uh, magically they reappear later on clean and folded in your desk drawer. And you have a sense that there might be something happening in the middle there, but frankly, that's not your issue. And, and that's not your problem. So you don't really think about that. It just gets done. We said, what if, what if you said thank you for the person who actually does that in your house? And so it might be something like this. Here's what we did. We gave every kid in the youth group an index card that ripped it in half. So it was just about that big. And then we said, okay, I want you to write a thank you note on every one of those index cards. And then every time you take off dirty clothes, seven days leading up to Mother's Day, take off dirty clothes, I want you to put one of these notes in the pocket of whatever it is you're taking off. Because you know how it is when you're, when you're doing the laundry, you, you always, moms, you kind of go through our pockets and make sure there's, you know, like no living organisms. And, and, uh, and, 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 and nine times out of 10, <clears throat> there'll be some paper in there, dear Mrs. Robbins, tell your son to stop bringing live ammunition to school. And, and, and you kind of, you see that thing. What, what happened was seven days leading up to Mother's Day, moms would go through the pockets, you know, and say, oh my gosh, you know, what is this? And, and it's like, Oh my gosh, dear mom, thanks for washing these grubby jeans one more time. P.S. Please rip them for me. Uh, I, I know I don't thank you enough for all you do around the house, but I really appreciate you. I love you. Okay, that, that's, and, and, and what happens is moms are standing over mounds of dirty underwear going, this is beautiful. Now, now the idea is communicating, communicating. Uh, or or we, did a, we did another thing. This was, this was a long time ago I did this one. You'll tell because it, was, it actually used what's called a cassette. Those of you under the age of 20, ask your grandparents. Uh, cassette, it's something you, you turn with a, with a pencil. Anyway, uh, these, uh, <clears throat> these cassettes, we, said, we just took them into the youth room one at a time, one kid in, at a time. And they go in there and they would record an audio letter to their dad on that cassette. Then everybody got their cassette. They went home that night and said, after you get home at night and everybody's gone, you know, inside, I want you to sneak back out like you usually do. And I want you to take this cassette and put it in your dad's car. Then I want you to turn on the radio and turn it up as loud as it'll go. So dad comes out Monday morning, turns on the car and immediately hears, good morning, dad. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and then an audio letter, a thank you letter to your dad. Now, one guy, this guy named Keith, even, even synchronized it kind of to his dad's 
trip through the neighborhood. She's going, Dad, right about now you're passing the baseball field where you taught me how to pitch and how to throw and, and catch. And I know I don't, we don't get out there much anymore, but I can't tell you how much I appreciate those days. And Dad is swerving, uh, you know, and goes back and forth. He's an hour late for work. But, but that, that's communication. It's taking the time to show gratitude, to express affirmation, express gratitude. Now, now, let me just say this to those of you who are parents, because, because uh, that's kind of a mandate that I've given so far to young people. But let me say something to us, because a lot of times when we show gratitude or affirmation to young people, there's always a string attached. Like, I mean, when parents have ever done this, we go, you know what? That's amazing. Oh my gosh, that's awesome. Dad is so proud of you. You made a B plus on your book report. That's fantastic. But just think, if only you'd worked a little harder, you could have had an A minus. That's not affirmation. That's accusation. That's like me saying to my wife, you know what, honey, with all the weight you've gained, you still smell good. <laughs> you know, that, 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 that's like putting pepper on a, sup, a cupcake. If you're going to give them affirmation, give them affirmation. Just lavish them. Just let them appreciate that you appreciate what they have done. I, I, I believe this might be part of what Paul is talking about. In Colossians chapter 3, a few verses later, verse 21, he says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath. Show affirmation. Give them just undiluted, no strings attached, gratitude and praise. See each other as real people, take initiative, and communicate. If you were to take all three of these and kind of ball them up into one big principle, I call it the principle of grace. The principle of grace. It simply says this, that families become connecting families by practicing amazing grace. Families become connecting families by practicing amazing grace. I don't know if because I had two daughters, because there were two of them, everything had to be exactly equal. And if it wasn't, I would get, to, oh my gosh, like that's not fair. Like that is like so not fair. Like I cannot believe you let her do that. Oh my gosh. And, and I would get this back and forth thing and I was sure they're going to grow up to be lawyers. And, 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 and one day I just kind of had it. I just kind of had it. And I said to them, I said, you know what? You do not want what you deserve. None of us in this family really want what we deserve. The last thing we ought to plead for is justice. We want grace. It's like, it's like the, you know, the guy that, the artist that did this portrait of a woman and, 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 and she looked at it, she didn't like it. She said, I don't like that picture of me. It does not do me justice. He said, ma'am, with a face like yours, you don't want justice. You want mercy. Well, you know what? I want mercy. But if we want mercy, we need to extend mercy. And the stunning news of the gospel, the stunning news that Paul points us to in Colossians chapter 3 is that mercy and grace has been extended to us by our Father in heaven. And that if we're going to connect as a family, we extend that grace to the people with whom we live. We take initiative. We see each other as real people and we communicate. Paul puts it this way, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness and patience, bearing with one another. 
And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. I think one of the reasons those words speak to me so powerfully is because I'm not myself just a dad. I am also somebody's son, obviously. My own mom died about nine or 10 years ago. She died of Alzheimer's disease. Most of you probably know about Alzheimer's disease. It's a disease that in essence steals your mind and then over time it begins to steal your body. And I remember my mom slowly but surely kind of sinking away into this dark place where none of us could actually reach her. But what's unique is that I can actually remember, I can actually remember vividly the last conversation I had with my mom when I knew she was lucid enough to understand that I was telling her that I loved her. I mean, I remember exactly where we were. We were in Boone, North Carolina. We are on vacation. My, my girls were playing in the pool with my, with my dad, and, 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 and they were just splashing around, and Mom and I were sitting there on the deck, and we're talking together. And it was a wonderful afternoon. The next time I saw my mom, I could tell she was not the same person, that part of my mom was missing. And she never came back. And I remember the very last conversation we had when I got to tell her I love her and I knew she heard me say it. And you know what that experience did for me? It reminded me, dude, love hard. Love hard. Because you are not guaranteed you're going to be a chance to love tomorrow. Now, don't put off until tomorrow the grace you can extend today. Don't put off tomorrow the, the, the compassion you can show today. Don't put off until tomorrow the forgiveness you can offer today. Love hard heart. Because this is the key. This is the key that God has given us. These families, these families that express to us in vivid terms what it's like to know the grace that God showed us in Christ. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for these brothers and sisters here this morning. I know that how easy it is to sit and to and to kind of have these words of Scripture wash over us from Sunday to Sunday. And I know how easy it is to kind of leave this place kind of having gone through the motions without having any impact in our lives. But what I also know, Lord, is that right here this morning in this bright room with great music and good people and laughter, I know there are resentments. I know there are deep hurts. I know there are betrayals. I know there is anger. I know there is silence. And I know that only the grace of Christ can bring healing. Help us, Lord, to connect with each other as families so that in that amazing arena of compassion and peace and humility and kindness, we can experience the stunning love of God. We pray this, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.